Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of The Rob Carson Show. I hope you had a uh, wonderful weekend with your family and with your loved ones. And, uh, what, 50-50 chance that uh, your NFL team won and 50% chance they lost. So uh, we got to deal with that. Anyway, welcome to the show. Uh, today, of course, is uh, 9-11, and we are going to uh, spend a good uh, amount of time on 9-11 and also welcome your memories as well, 800-922-6680. 800-922-6680. We all have a connection to 9-11. We all weren't, of course, in New York City. And many of us didn't know anyone who died in 9-11, and yet we mourn them today. We mourn them like they were loved ones of our own since day one. I remember it. I remember on 9-11, I was working in Cincinnati on the radio, and I had left the airwaves, and my boss came out and says, Rob, go back and be on the air. Something happened. A plane hit the Twin Towers. And I immediately uh, hoped for the best. I thought, okay, well, uh, it was a small plane and everything's going to be cool. And then, it, then I found out it was a large plane. I went, well, maybe it's a UPS or maybe it's a, maybe it's a FedEx where there are only a couple people on board. It's not, a, it's not a passenger jet filled with people. And then as I'm sitting here relaying the events of what had happened, another plane hit the second building. And I knew, obviously, it was terrorism. And our lives changed forever that day. For you Gen Zers, you you may not remember it. Maybe you've had it, uh, you know, relayed in in history lessons. Maybe, but I know many of you, like my son, was uh, under two years old when it happened. I remember I watched the uh, the coverage all day, every day, and I didn't realize that he possibly could have been absorbing it. He was uh, about twenty months old when he came into my uh, our bedroom in the middle of the night crying, and I went, "What what is wrong, Will?" And he said, "Daddy." Yeah, the buildings fall down. So while it wasn't uh, something that impacted you directly, or maybe you weren't able to understand it, or you're very young and it was just terrifying for Gen Z, for the rest of us, it became something bigger than we could ever imagine. I was thinking about this weekend because my father died in 1994 when I was in my 20s. He died early. He was 72 years old. He was a World War II veteran, and he was old enough to be my grandfather. But he became my father. He adopted me, and he signed up after Pearl Harbor for the military. He didn't get drafted. My school bus driver, Harold Delaney, he signed up at age 18, might have been younger than that, uh, because of Pearl Harbor, and he ended up being in the first wave that hit Omaha Beach, and I would bother him on the bus when he was a bus driver, but then when I became, uh, you know, got in high school, I was working at a truck stop, and he used to come out, and he would tell me his stories, 
about uh, being in a foxhole at 19 years old on Omaha Beach with all of his friends dying around him, wondering if he was going to die. And I talked to Mr. Ballantyne, my eighth grade instructor, and he, uh, he was at Pearl Harbor. He was on a submarine, and he lost many friends. And, and I remember on 9-11, we were all together in Cincinnati. Uh, 10,000 people showed up on Fountain Square. And we wept and we listened to the national anthem. And thousands, tens of thousands of uh, my generation, uh, boomer generation, uh, signed up for military service to go fight evil. And thousands of them died. And thousands have come back with profound traumatic injuries. I have a nephew who was in middle school when 9-11 happened. He served several tours in Afghanistan, and we don't speak anymore. He has uh, PTSD, watched his best friend die. But just like World War II, my generation signed up. And I realize that, and you who served, you've already made this analogy in your minds that this was my generation's Pearl Harbor. And you know what's amazing, despite all of the changes that have happened, despite all of the attempts to divide us, we all came together that day and we didn't care about skin color. We didn't care about who died or what percentage of people died or whatever. All we knew was that we had to come together as a nation for one another. We had to be there for the people who died in those towers in New York City or that field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania or in the Pentagon, we all knew they needed to come together. Unlike what's happening now where a thousand people are missing on Maui, the worst loss of life we've seen in a fire in over a hundred years, and yet we're not being the, told the truth about it, and we're made to separate ourselves from them they aren't just americans like all the new yorkers were on 9-11 for some reason i remember this uh, george bush uh, you know was the uh, butt of jokes uh, and i don't i'm not a fan of george bush i'm, I'm not happy with how he handled uh, the iraq war and all of the carnage that he uh, uh, consequently caused but I remember when uh, uh, he started his uh, presidency and everybody was ready to make him a buffoon. There were already calendars printed up with uh, the stupid expressions on it. And then uh, a couple days after 9-11, he went to New York and he stood on a pile of rubble. And the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. And a very small group of people in Washington, D.C. and in think tanks around the country realized that this moment where America came together in such a gigantic and patriotic fashion, this moment where at uh, football stadiums across the country they began spreading out 80-yard American flags and having flyovers, the left realized that this was a massive speed bump on their way to turning the country into what it has become today. 9-11 was a massive speed bump. The last thing the left, the class of 1968, needed in 2001 was a patriotic 
reuniting of the country. And so they immediately set in upon dividing us. They immediately said, rather than uh, we have to find the people who perpetrated this and kill them, leftist publications immediately started putting up headlines. Why do they hate us? Why do they hate us? This only days where we watched, days after we watched coverage of 9-11 where they would do live shots in the Middle East and there were children and, and adults celebrating and children getting candy for this and people would call my show and go, my God, why would they dance and sing? Why would they do this? And Democrats warned, and they thought the worst of us, as they always do. They said that we will be Islamophobic, and we do not blame Islam, and Islam is not the issue, and blah, blah, blah. And we all went, yeah, well, we know that. Yeah, that's fine. We're not going to do this. That's not how America acts. That's not how we do it. And isn't it funny that more Catholic churches have been attacked since Roe v. Wade than mosques since 9-11? Isn't that kind of interesting? Whenever the left sees us unite, they think the worst, and they look at it as a speed bump on their road to destroying the country. Because they realize that us coming together is the worst thing that could happen for their teardown of who we are. And since 9-11, we've seen that... Uh, New York City has descended into hell. Democrats are doing everything in their power to destroy the mayor who built back New York. Rudy Giuliani was America's mayor. Rudy Giuliani did an amazing job, a yeoman's effort that surely would never have been surpassed by idiots like Bill de Blasio and Eric Adams. But he did it. Dick Durbin and others, including Harry Reid, as our troops were in battle, said the war was lost. They immediately began deriding what our troops were doing overseas. Ultimately, two years ago on this date, Joe Biden took the efforts of tens of thousands of people. Joe Biden took the tears of thousands of gold star families and he disregarded all of them by returning 85 billion dollars worth of our weaponry to the enemies who destroyed our country or just tried to destroy our country two years ago on this date joe biden took Every ounce of blood and tears and sweat and toil and injury and hurt and life-changing horror and erased it and pulled us out unceremoniously and returned us back to September the 10th, 2001. It's interesting because the same hubris, the, not hubris, the same motivation crossed 40, 50 years of history. Those who were motivated by an attack on our homeland in 1941 versus those who were attacked on our homeland on 2001. 
60 years difference. And yet Joe Biden, Joe Biden couldn't find the time. He couldn't find the time to go to uh, one of the memorials. He's sending his lackey, Kamala Harris. Headline this morning, it's bad enough that Joe Biden decided to hide on the anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. But one would think he and the White House would try to compensate it for in some other way. At 8.40 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the time the first plane hit the first tower, no statement had been released by the White House. The White House has posted four things to the White House briefing room. Page, including a statement, all relating to his trip to Vietnam, which was, in a word, shambolic. The trip to Vietnam should effectively end Joe Biden's presidency, thankfully. But it still doesn't go past the fact that he, uh, he's rubbing your nose in this date. He's rubbing your nose in it. It is, uh, it is to me, uh, not only a diss, but also uh, an abuse that something like this would happen on 9-11. As New York descends into chaos, as 75,000 illegal immigrants flagged as possible having ties to terrorism entered the country last year, and many of them are going back to New York City. These are remarkable times. But the positive is they never were able to crush the spirit. They've never been able to do that. And now more than ever, we are seeing a patriotic awakening that could be bigger than the days after 9-11 in many ways. It really, really could. We're seeing uh, 2023 being the new uh, 1776, except for this time, the Minutemen are men and women and Asian people and Irish people and black people and Italian people and whatever people. The people who came to this country and assimilated into its culture are ready to defend her once again. Here is the number. It's 800-922-6680. This is a day for remembrance, but it's also a day for hope. I just want you to know that. I'm going to play some audio from uh, the day. Uh, last night, CBS, I'll give them, I'll give them props. They had a, an incredible... An incredible uh, story about 9-11 firefighters um, and, and police officers. Let's not forget the police officers who rushed into those buildings and died. I'm going to share some audio from that. And later in the show, I'm going to play a song that I haven't played for seven years. Because uh, it is so emotionally powerful that I can't hear it. But I want to hear it today. So I'm going to play that later in the show. Uh, we've got a lot of news on Joe Biden in uh, in uh, his uh, Vietnamese speech, which should end his presidency. Uh, everybody gets it. Everybody understands it now. Joe Biden will not be the president much longer. And the country is going to come back in a massive, patriotic, and incredibly awesome way, discarding all of the nonsense that we have been told about how to hate the country and why you should kneel during the anthem and what divides us. And what we're all discovering is it was folly. It was all a lie, and we will be more reunited than we ever imagined in our history very soon. So, this is Monday, 9-11. The number is 800-922-6680, and this is The Rob Carson Show. I just remember the dust that day, feeling like it was searing your lungs, like it was, like it felt like you were swallowing glass. Pitch black. 
pitch black. But we heard voices. Are you okay? Are you okay? And then that's when we made our way back up. And then when we got up to uh, where the command post was, Pete's mind went into rescue mode. Pete Gancy heard on the radio the cries of trapped and wounded firefighters. And then I remember him giving orders. I need truck companies. I need rescue company. Tell them to come with me. As he had before, Gancy went into the debris to save his men himself. In the still standing North Tower, many firefighters refused the order to evacuate while they were still carrying the wounded and disabled. I remember in 2001, and, and by the way, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. It's 9-11, 2023, 22 years have passed since that day. And for those who possibly thought before 2001 that the American spirit was dying, those men who walked into those buildings not only knew they were risking their lives, many of them knew their lives, we're going to end that day. That's without a doubt. That has come out. They knew their lives were going to end. And rather than running, they were going to do what they could to save people before they died. We're talking hundreds of firefighters knew when they were selected to go into those buildings, they were going to die. That same bravery happened thousands of times after 9-11 with young men and women signing up for military service knowing that they could end their they could have their lives ended and many of them did except for it wasn't get in the building right now it was sign up for the military a year later or six months later, or two months later, or uh, two years later, and put your hand on a Bible and say that you would be willing to die for your fellow Americans. And like I said, many dead and many came home with horrific injuries, and we've not treated them well. But that spirit continued after 9-11, and the Democrat Party hated it. They hated the fact that Americans would come together like that, and that's why they fought tooth and nail every attempt to uh, go after the enemy, every attempt to uh, try to secure our country. And look where we are today. Look where we are. Could you have imagined in 2002, we would be here where New York is, is becoming a hellhole, where hundreds of thousands of illegals are streaming across the border, many of them with terrorist ties not being vetted whatsoever. This is 22 years later, and the Democrat Party and the deep state have doubled down on hating America. And once again, the American people are rising to the occasion and coming together. Except for this time, they won't be able to tamp it down. This time, they won't be able to have uh, uh, people like Harry Reid uh, or Dick Durbin speak before Congress about how, how our forces are losing. Uh, at this point now, the, uh, the bud's off the rose as far as Joe Biden, as far as the corruption of this deep state, as far as the abuses and usurpations they perpetrated on you and me. They know it. They know it. A great awakening is happening and a peaceful revolution is underway. More audio from 9-11. I don't want to make the entire show morose. I want to make it 
inspirational. But I want to hear your story as, as well. Where were you that day? Were you in New York? Did you serve in the military as a response to it? Carl Higby from Newsmax next hour. He did. More of the Rob Carson Show on the way. Hey guys, it's Carson. Imagine this. It's the dead of night. You're lying in bed. Suddenly you hear something go bump. What is your next move? Well, you reach for the ultimate solution. The new MC-14 tip-up pistol from EAA Corp. And Gerson. This game-changing firearm is perfect for those with limited hand strength, disabilities, or anyone seeking a comfortable and user-friendly alternative. Picture this. The MC-14T features an ingenious tip-up barrel design, making loading and unloading a breeze. Say goodnight to struggles while racking a slide. Just load the tip-up barrel, lock it back down, and you're ready to fire. The MC-14T is chambered in 380 ACP, boosting a 13 plus 1 round capacity. With its reliable stopping power and compact size, it's an excellent choice for personal defense, complete with accessory rail and ambidextrous safeties. Experience a new level of convenience. Available with all EAA Corp distributors, starting at an incredibly affordable MSRP of just $498. Don't miss out on this game-changing firearm. Visit EAACorp.com today. That's EAACorp.com. It is the Rob Carson Joe Monday edition. Hope you had a uh, wonderful weekend with the family and whatnot. I, uh, I did a lot of social media this weekend. Um, a little bit of everything. A little politics, a little food. I uh, started making some bacon. Yeah, that's one of my uh, things that I do. Uh, if you want to check out all the social media, uh, just look up Rob Carson and Rob Carson Show. It's it's out there, all of that. And also, if you uh, missed my TV show, Rob Carson's What in the World on Newsmax, uh, you can go to the NewsmaxTV.com page and just uh, go down to the archive. It's right there. And trust me, if you need to laugh, and I know many of you do, uh, check it out, okay? Kamala lands in New York for the 22nd anniversary of 9-11 at Ground Zero, while Joe Biden will mark the day. 4,300 miles away in Alaska, 22 years after 9-11. The President of the United States couldn't make it to one of the three locations where people died uh, the attacks on 9-11. Oddly enough, Ronald Reagan was able to make it to Plant Doak or Point Doac, or Point du Hoc, as um, so many call it in, uh, in France. See, I was a French major in college, so it's Point Doac is what it is. But Ronald Reagan is able to go there 40 years later. And American presidents have been going there 50, 60, 70 years later. But Joe Biden, 22 years after, while he is still on the planet, couldn't make the time to go uh, to, go to uh, Ground Zero or to go to Shanksville, Pennsylvania, or even just hop, skip, and jump over to the Pentagon. Here's a, I want to play a couple of the uh, sound bites from this uh, show last night, 60 Minutes uh, retrospective on the firefighters. And the reason why I do this is because... Young people in this country, younger at the time, did the same thing the firefighters did on 9-11. They signed up for military service knowing they could give their lives for our country, and they felt a calling for it. So what they did was as brave as the men running into those buildings. I do not want to take away from the men running in those buildings. What they did is, is almost unimaginable, almost unimaginable that someone would have the wherewithal to not run, to not go, hell with this, I'm going home to my kids, but to say, yes, sir, I'm going in. I know there's, I'm going to die. Many of them knew they were going to die. And they went into those buildings and they rescued 1,700 people, at least out of one of them. 
This plane raced past us along the Hudson River at such a low altitude, I could read American on the fuselage. Wait. I saw the plane aim and crash into the North Tower of the World Trade Center. From that moment, the firefighters of the FDNY would have about an hour and a half to save 17,000 lives. Wow. They knew that they might not come home, but they knew there were people trapped. That's our job. We're on the floor and we can't breathe. Okay. And it's very, very, very hot. And all the dispatcher could say is, uh, we're coming for you. So... We like to keep our promises, you know. We told them we're coming. We're coming. Engine six to the Engine six. The World Trade Center Tower Number One is on fire. Engine one out. World Trade Center ten sixty. Send every available ambulance, everything you got to World Trade Center now. Engine two one one. Ladder eleven. Engine four four. Engine twenty two. 121 engines, 62 ladder companies, 100 ambulances, 750 members of the FDNY. And isn't it interesting that many, many police officers died that day as well? And less than 20 years later, Black Lives Matter and Democrats across this country declared the police to be racist and defunded them. Isn't that amazing how we've turned? But the American people are beyond awake at this point. Let's go to Victor in Washington, D.C. Victor, welcome to the Rob Carson Show on this 9-11. Thanks for calling, bud. What's up? Uh, uh, just an add-on. Uh, the day after it happened, uh, the 9-11 happened, I had belonged to a group, of, uh, a religious group. We had a meeting, and uh, one of the first things people came in, rather than talking about the evil... Several of the people asked that same question. What did we do to deserve this? And this went so far as even months after, some of these same folks uh, insisted that the, uh, the it was actually uh, a bombing internally that caused the damage to the uh, uh, towers. Yeah, I know. It, that's, that's... And since then, I'm like you. Uh, we still seem to have lost our ability to uh, meld together on this thing. All right, I got it. But you know what? Uh, listen, the America's coming together, in Victor. It's taken a long time. But uh, but Democrats have realized that their hate of this country has reunited the love of all of us. It really is. It's quite remarkable. It's very, very positive, Victor. I do appreciate it. Um, you know, after 9-11, uh, what do we do to deserve this? Uh, they never did that after um, Pearl Harbor. They, Why did the Japanese hate us so much? Oh, my God. And, and after hundreds of thousands of America's troops went and died in overseas in bunkers and battlefields and foxholes, we never just stopped and turned over all of our weaponry to the Nazis. We never stopped and returned all of our weaponry to the uh, islands near uh, in the in the South Pacific that we fought and died to uh, to take over. We didn't do that, but that's what Joe Biden did. Let's go to Buster in Santa Cruz. Hello, Buster. Welcome to the show, my friend. What's on your mind today? 
Hey, Rob, may I recommend Billy Joel's In a New York State of Mind? And I love the lyrics where he goes, I need a taste of reality. I let it slide. But me, I'll take a Greyhound bus down the Hudson River line. Oh, and before I get into my main thing, may I recommend Willie Kay from the Lahaina area. The Jimi Hendrix of the uh, Hawaiian Highlands. Really? I believe you mean that? Yeah, Willie <laughs> K. Check him out. I know you love him. You'll like him. The guy who and, turned uh, me on to, hey, were you the guy who turned me on to C6, Steve? Uh, no. Okay. No, well, I, no. somebody, somebody, you got to check out this guy named C6 Steve. He plays with three guitar strings, and he's unbelievable. But anyway, go ahead with your thought. <clears throat> Oh, real quick, uh, the last caller hit on something that I've been thinking about. Uh, there is a similarity between uh, Lahaina Fire and 9-11. As the caller pointed out, temperatures are way above normal. Something really odd happened. All right. Okay, now they've measured the same kind of thing in Lahaina. They can't explain how in the hell it got so hot. All right, Buster, 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 I appreciate the phone call. I don't want to go that direction today, but I appreciate the phone call. Thank you very much. I don't want to, I don't want to go in that direction today. I don't, I don't call them conspiracy theorists because, honestly, everything that we've been called uh, conspiracy theories has turned out to be true. But I, I don't want to go there today. Nothing to get your call. I, God bless you. I, I appreciate you making the phone call. Um, let's, let's play a little bit more of this, uh, this, uh, this audio from 9-11. Then we're going to move on to uh, many other things, including the impending removal from office of Joe Biden, which I believe is nigh. Um, here is, uh, uh, you know, many of us can't imagine. And I have a friend, uh, he used to uh, have an office uh, there in the World Trade Center, and he now lives in, uh, in Washington, D.C. Rick is my buddy, and uh, I remember him relaying stories about how he worked there and, and how he was glad he, you know, he would have been in the, he would have died. He would have died uh, in, in the building that he was in. He figured that out. I've got many connections about 9-11, but I don't know anyone who died in the building. But I still, I still grieve them. I still grieve them. Uh, last night I found myself, my wife and I was watching the 60-minute special. My wife, 22 years later, she said, I can't watch this. I can't watch this, Rob. I can't do this. I said, honey, I need to watch this because I need to talk about it tomorrow. I need to remember. I need to remember every year. She said, I can't watch this. It's still that raw to all of us. I know that's hard to believe, but you know what? I didn't understand that when Dad didn't talk about Pearl Harbor or Mr. Ballantyne in eighth grade would kind of look distantly about 9-11, talking about 9-11 back in 1980, what, 80? <laughs> that happened. Yeah. This is some more audio from uh, the 60-minute special last night about a woman named Melissa Doy who, uh, who died. And her last moments were recorded. How many people where you're at right now? There's like five people here with me. All up on the 83rd floor. 83rd floor. 32-year-old Melissa Doy was saying the Hail Mary prayer when 911 answered. The once aspiring ballerina was a manager in a financial firm on 83, one of the burning floors in the South Tower. Stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. You're doing a good job, ma'am. You're doing a good job. It's so hot. I'm burning up. The uh, firefighters went up 
in one of the buildings, all three stairwells were completely destroyed, and there was no getting to the people above the fire. They were going to uh, die. They were going to perish. There was nothing that could have been done. But firefighters still went in there. And in the other tower, they found a stairwell, and they began to proceed to go up and save those people. But the time was not allowed them. And uh, the buildings collapsed. Every once in a while, you'd hear the radio, the dispatcher on the radio trying to contact somebody. All right, Manana Nasty, any division or any staff chief at the scene of the World Trade Center, okay? Any division chief or any staff chief at the scene of any of the World Trade Center, okay? That day, 23 battalion chiefs responded. Only four of us survived. And by the way, the, the, the battalion chiefs, the hires up, the generals in the fight against the fires in the trade centers died alongside their men. This is the most harrowing thing I remember about 9-11. And that was the sound of 300 plus people jumping to their deaths to avoid burning to death. And I thought we would have enough time to get the people out and uh, everybody that was above the impact of the plane, um, we were pretty much sure were uh, either dead already or going to die. There was a lot of people jumping out already. 1,355 people were trapped above the fire. The Boeing 767 had severed all three stairwells, leaving one way out. Division 1, be advised, uh, Battalion 2 advised you have jumpers from the World Trade Center. We heard a loud thud, and I knew that was somebody that either fell or jumped from the building. The first firefighter killed was hit by a fellow human being. It was happening so rapidly that I grabbed the, the PA system at the fire command post, and I said, the firefighters are coming. If you can, hold on. It's something that's going to haunt us probably for the rest of our life. This is why we remember today. Because we remember what was, what became of America, how we came together, and how the same people who hated America before 9-11 were able to destroy us after we came together. But... uh, we aren't taking it anymore. One more soundbite I want to play from the special last night was uh, uh, a pastor uh, among the many generals and battalion commanders who died on that day was a man who went there who could have uh, easily uh, uh, mentored or, or uh, offered uh, prayers from afar, but he chose to be there, and he lost his life. I felt somebody at my feet, and I, I saw this was our fire, fire department chaplain Father Michael Judge, I removed his white collar, I checked for his pulse and breathing, and he had none, and I knew he was gone. Several of us picked him up, and we carried him out. The EMTs that had taken him actually took him, not to the morgue, but they took him to uh, St. Peter Claver, which is a Catholic church a little bit north of the Trade Center, and they laid him on the altar, and they called up the Franciscan priests to uh, come down and get him. This is one of the reasons I love New York. This is one of the reasons why New York has always been kind of uh, America's city, even though we really don't have anything in common with it, because so many people of so many races and colors came together to build this magnificent, magnificent city, and so many people came together regardless of skin color. No firefighter said, are there going to be black people in that building? Well, I'm not going in. 
<laughs> the police officer said, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to that building if there's, uh, you know, people of color in that building because, you know what, I only serve white, pure black, uh, white people. I don't serve black people. None of that. But that's what they made you believe after 9-11, isn't it? All right, I'm going to depart from this topic. Later in the show, I have a, a song that I want to play for you that I, uh, I played uh, in 2001, and I've played it on the radio twice since, one time seven years ago. And the reason I don't is because I can't, I can't handle it. I can only hear it once so often, but I think it's important that you hear it. And it's from the perspective of a young woman, a little girl at the time who lost her father. So we will have that later. On the way, I want to talk about what's going on with, uh, with Joe Biden, his shambolic performance in Vietnam, and why uh, everybody is now saying that he should not be the president. That's coming up. Here's the number, guys, 800-922-6680. This is The Rob Carson Show. Isn't it funny that 22 years after 9-11, we have a buffoon in charge of New York City named Eric Adams. And if you don't think he's a buffoon, uh, just listen to him talk. That's what I like to say. Just listen to him talk. Like, here he is. Uh, here he is now that he's uh, he was down with being a sanctimony city. I mean, a sanctuary city. Here he is complaining because New York has been invaded by illegals and it's bankrupting the entire city. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Yeah, and and by the way, while this is all going on, Joe Biden's Justice Department is busy destroying the life of the man who brought New York City back from the ashes, Rudy Giuliani. They hate Rudy Giuliani. They hate that he is uh, he was a part of the Trump administration. They hate him. They've done everything they can to destroy and demean him for nothing. He is a good and decent man. He always has been. And his service after 9-11 should be enough to exonerate him from any stupid, specious charges that the Democrat Party is bringing against him. But this is the Democrat Party. This is the Democrat Party who immediately looked at patriotism as a threat to their existence after 9-11. And that's why they immediately started saying, what did they do to us? Why did they attack us? And then they said America is Islamophobic and we cannot let hate happen. Well, it never did. And as I mentioned in the opening monologue, more Catholic churches have been attacked uh, since Roe v. Wade was repealed than mosques after 9-11. But that's just the Democrat Party. This is uh, Eric Adams before being sanctimonious and now. Remember when Mayor Adams had a starkly different view of illegal migrants flooding the great city Eric of New York. Of you pledged uh, during your campaign to uh, keep New York City a sanctuary, a city. Uh, do you have any concern that that, that policy uh, is is is, for, is attracting more people to the border, more people to cross the border to make that dangerous no. trip? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, this city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Wow, wow, wow. And, and the left and the uh, the mainstream media and big social media, the Biden administration, they're spending all their time destroying the mayor that brought New York City back from the brink. The last really proud moment, I mean truly proud moment, that brought New York City together with the rest of the country country 
to fight a common enemy, but the left saw it as a threat. That's what it was all about. That's what this has all been about. And then when Joe Biden withdrew our troops from Afghanistan, it was the final nail in the coffin to all of that patriotism, all of that America first stuff, all of the memories of the sacrifice that you guys made and your families made to defend our country after 9-11. That's what it's been all about. And guess what? It didn't work. Coming up, uh, Joe Biden in uh, in uh, Vietnam. It is uh, remarkable, and everybody understands that uh, he's he's gone. It's it's over. I've said it for a long time, but it's becoming very clear. Your phone calls, well, eight hundred nine two two six six eight zero. It's the Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. You're on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere.